Hello, and welcome to Overdue, where we take a fresh look at old books. My name is Clark. And my name is Alyssa. And this season, we're reading Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Alyssa, what's your personal background with Harry Potter? Um, I grew up reading Harry Potter. I started reading it in fifth grade and uh, had a little bit of an attitude toward it. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think that book's going to be very cool. And mm-hmm. then I read it and it shaped my life and made me the voracious reader that I am today. So it, Fantastic. it also made me an incredible nerd for... Uh, for fantasy and science fiction and all sorts of it opened my mind to many many genres so but you uh clark did not have that (laughs) that is absolutely correct um my first experience with harry potter was when one of my teachers decided to this was in third grade uh oh boy what would that be 1996 something like that i don't know But uh, my teacher decided to read it out loud to the class, uh, the first two or three books. Uh, That same teacher also had a hedgehog and many animals that would run around and you could take out and have on your desk, which is my way of saying that I did not listen to a single word of what she was reading. (laughs) I got bits bits and pieces, but I had a hedgehog like in my hands. You bonded with the creature instead of the words. (laughs) I I can't focus on what the teacher is saying when there's a hedgehog literally like in front of me. So... (laughs) <laughs> While I I have listened to the books, in a sense, um, I definitely don't consider myself um, an expert in the Potterverse uh, whatsoever. So explain to me a little bit about, um, I guess, Harry Potter and its its relevance in pop culture. And, and I guess, like, who is J.K. Rowling? When did this come out? And, and why does this book matter? Why does Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone matter? Oh man, I I think you you couldn't uh, find. I think you couldn't find a person in in the world, or that's probably too broad of a statement. I mm. think that if you were to ask a stranger on the street if Harry Potter has affected their lives, probably eight times out of ten they would say yes. I think it's it's a book that has been broadly read and it's been widely. Um, accepted and has changed a lot of lives and shaped a lot of lives it deals with a lot of themes that uh that mean a lot even though it's 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 clothed in this fantasy kind of fun playful story yeah and i think part of it too is um it becomes clear even from reading the first couple chapters that it is a book directed towards kind of younger kids it the main character himself harry potter is you know, a younger kid. And it, it's just so, I think like, like you said, it starts off small and then hopefully we'll see. I don't know. I've only read the first couple chapters, but hopefully we'll see it turn into this big crazy universe that everybody is clamoring about. Yeah. It's, it's part of my interest in doing this now is it's been, uh, I mean, I, I reread and reread these books growing up, but it's probably been four or five years since I've reread them. And now I'm, you know, I'm writing my own book, and I've uh, very much changed the way that I consume literature and how I read it. And I'm very interested to read it now from a writer's perspective of how did she create this amazing world, and how did it impact such a a wide variety of people? Because yeah, it it seems to be aimed at children, and it was marketed to children, but it has... I mean, my grandma loves this book. Hmm. <laughs> and I mean, she's a very hip 92-year-old, but she's a 92-year-old, and she loves this book. So how how 
how can one story resonate so profoundly with so many different generations? And I think it's strength of writing and and the message. The the message is really playful but meaningful at the same time. So. Well, I love that. I just have pictured in my head, like, your grandma sitting there with, like, her little, like, she's wearing, like, a little wizard hat and, like, a little scarf. <laughs> and she's just, like, it, because it's cold, because old ladies are always cold, right? So it's, like, she's always cold, so she has, like, some kind of scarf on. Oh, she's, she's got a robe. Wizard. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. She's got a robe. So, like, she kind of looks like an old 92-year-old wizard, and she's just, like, cracking up over over jokes about butterbeer and stuff like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> is that a load is that a harry potter thing that's a thing i'm not sure there are any jokes about it but <laughs> okay i mean it sounds hilarious um <clears throat> so this season of overcast we're reading this book um overdue overdue what did i say overcast is it cloudy overcast. in new york what <laughs> <laughs> no that's actually uh that's the podcast app that i use actually it's really? overcast yeah, yeah, by the great Marco Arment of Accidental Tech Podcast. He also makes some apps and stuff like that. Anyway, so that's my favorite podcast player. Now you know. Um, not sponsored, but, you know, <laughs> joyful. Not sponsored by Marco Arment, but still. Uh, so we chose to read Harry Potter uh, for the season of Overdue. Um, Alyssa, it was Alyssa's idea. She gave me a call, and she's like, hey, you know, I'd... Love to, I'd love to do a podcast with you. We've been friends for years. We love geeking out about, you know, reading, writing, tech stuff, creating. art stuff, creating stuff. We're both, we're both creators. And Alyssa is a writer and an editor. I'm an artist and a, a huge just fan of music. So she gave me a call and she'd like, I'd love to do a podcast with you. And I'd love to introduce you to the world of Harry Potter. And... Even though I've never read it, it's it's not because I had a problem with Harry Potter. It's just I never really got around to it. So um, she decided that she wanted to bring me into the Potterverse. And we'll see how that goes. So <clears throat> for this episode, we're talking about chapters one and two of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I keep wanting to say the boy who lived because that was such a, a good line, but we'll get to that. So, Alyssa, could you sum up briefly um, what happens in chapter one and two of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone? Yeah, well, let's let let's go a chapter at a time. Um, okay. I I think that's that's maybe yeah a yeah little, yeah let's do it let's do it a little more so easily divisible. So um, starting with the first chapter, which is the boy who lived. Um, in, in that chapter, uh, we start out and we don't even meet the person whose name is on the cover for a good, you know, 10, 12 pages. Um, so we open with the Dursleys. I didn't realize. Yeah. Okay. The Dursleys. The Dursleys. They're, uh, (laughs) not very pleasant. And we learn pretty early on that they have a secret and we're not sure what that secret is until Mm -hmm. we learn it's there's this whole other part of their family that they don't like and we don't really know why they're weird they're the potters um potters and so we we know this about them and then we see the dursleys in one day go through their day and it's very pedestrian they're uh not very pleasant and they're uh like uh, mrs dursley is gossiping and they have a small child who is like very plump and he's crying all the time and they kind of just are like oh little tyke oh this look at the adorable little crying child <laughs> they just kind of muss up his hair They're yeah like, oh. 
and it's like the commercials where the kid is spilling stuff everywhere and his parents are just following him around with paper towels just, Aww, just smiling as they look clean at those up. kids like, yeah oh, so what a, what a little tyrant so <laughs> we're raising a tiny tyrant <laughs> um and and then mr dursley goes to work and uh all throughout this very pedestrian day that we get to witness uh, the there are these lines of like, but this strange thing's going on. There are these owls flying all around, and they're not seeing it, mm-hmm. and they're shooting stars all around, and they're not acknowledging it. And there are people in cloaks, and and <laughs> and they're and not it, acknowledging it uh, comically. So sorry to cut you off. No, but it where it's like little things like they describe that Mister Dursley's back is to the window, but behind him there's just all these owls going by, and it's it's very much a not a comedy of errors, but. Um, it's they're so very clearly missing all of these signs yeah it's like ships passing it's just like Mm -hmm, they they mm -hmm. a lot of the things they just are really blatantly unaware of and um and then the things that they are aware of they're they're angry at so they see these people in cloaks and and he gets angry at them and they hear things on the news and he gets angry about that because people are strange and they shouldn't be and so Mm -hmm. we get this picture of them and um we uh, to the point where they they even do notice some things and then they rationalize away from oh it's not strange it's this thing and they create a reason why this strange thing might be happening and this is this is mostly mr dursley to start right yeah it's pretty much in his head for a lot of it we follow him throughout his day and then uh he goes to bed and and then we uh learn as the reader that the strange things that they have been poo-pooing away are actually real when we see a cat turn into a woman and a man disappear out of nowhere and take all the lights out of the street lights and we meet <laughs> professor put out the lights with the with the with, putter outer with the putter outer yep putter outer. he's not a great namer but he's a great wizard <laughs> that's what really counts <laughs> He failed his naming class. He really did. <laughs> like, what would you like to name this dragon? And he's like, oh, boy, uh, fingerling uh, potato. S- and they're like, what? Scaly drag, yo. Scaly drag, <laughs> drag queen. They're like, wait, wait. No, just no. You can't name your dragon a drag queen. That's not an option. It's a great <laughs> dragon name. <laughs> <laughs> and then they stumbled upon the mighty drag queen. The dragon. We drew her. Forget Grendel, man. Thanks. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's terrifying. Oh, uh, okay. Uh. So, so we meet Dumbledore, <laughs> and we meet this this woman who was a cat all day long, and that's Professor mm. McGonagall, and they discuss this death of Lord Voldemort, this terrible wizard, and how his mm, death is a joyful thing, but. It comes at the price of the Potters, who we learned earlier are the Dursleys' secret. And so we, we sort of get some understanding of what the weird things of the day have all been about. And then uh, Hagrid arrives, and he is this giant man on this flying motorcycle. And he has this teeny tiny baby with him, and that teeny tiny baby is Harry Potter. And they, uh, after some discussion and debate, they end up leaving Harry on the Dursleys' doorstep and... The chapter ends with this wonderful line that Clark loves, which is the boy who lived. So the boy who lived, I I can't help it. That's just I I guess it's only because I've I've read the first two chapters of the book, but I don't see why they just didn't name the the whole book the boy who lived because whatever the sorcerer's stone is like 
it's it's gonna be gone after the book whatever like the sorcerer's stone okay but like the boy who lived like that is that's that's cool that's, that's a neat thing it's excellent writing i will say um for a parallel purpose of all the titles um mm-hmm. it's always harry potter and an object oh. or something and okay. and if harry potter is the boy who lived that i'm not sure the parallelism would work but it is the first book yeah. so they totally could have made a different a, choice yeah there could just be a colon but okay that makes sense though um, I, I can see scalability okay good I, call good i will call. say um that the uh the original english version of this is the philosopher's stone um oh. and i actually have a couple friends who were forbidden to read harry potter because of the title the sorcerer's stone because you know, oh. they were raised in super conservative families who read sorcerer and thought you know devil worshiping bad sorcerer when if it had <laughs> been uh framed in philosopher i think they would have been more open to mm. their children reading it but yeah thank goodness they didn't include a drag queen in the title yeah no one would. <laughs> <laughs> harry, harry very potter and readership. drag queen the dragon <laughs> <laughs> parents are like mm, we're that's, keeping that one in the cabinet that's book um, six and a half i feel like i just made a harry potter joke three and three quarters isn't that a thing in harry potter nine and three quarters <laughs> nine and three quarters yeah. okay. there are only seven books but you know why not why not make the companion <laughs> novel just skip eight <laughs> just just go right on to drag queen the dragon nine and three quarters so <laughs> um Let's talk about the Dursleys. Um, as I mentioned before, this is really my first time, certainly my first time reading Harry Potter instead of having it read to me. So I was delighted, 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 delighted to see how J.K. Rowling. I think it's Rowling. Rowling? Rowling? Rowling. I, I think it's Rowling. Okay. How um, Miss Rowling, Mrs. How J.K. Rowling... Joanne. Let's just call her Joanne. Jo- oh, Joanne. I didn't know that. Ah, oh, spoilers. Uh, did, did you know that she, uh, she, her pen name is J.K. Rowling because I, I think it was either her publisher or her, woman, right? her agent or someone said, like, boys aren't going to read a book by a woman named Joanne. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. And I think it was clever because J.K. is like, it's catchy. Um mm-hmm. So the Dursleys, um, <laughs> she introduced us to Mr. and Mrs. Dursley by, by talking about their most exaggerated features. So we have Mr. Dursley with no neck, huge mustache, and then Mrs. Dursley, who's described as having twice the normal neck just because of how much she peeps on people. Um, I Let me just start off. I love this. I love this. Uh, the from the very first couple paragraphs, I, I start to get a good view as to how whimsical this author is and how just kind of like, yes, she's telling a story, but the narrator is making her voice um, an important part of the story. And you can tell that even just from the very, very first sentence, um, which is Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four Privet Drive. We're proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. So right off the bat, before we meet a single... I mean, we hear their names, but before we actually learn anything about the characters, we have the the person writing the book saying, like, I have a personality. I'm going to say things like, thank you very much. Like, so right off the bat, 
<clears throat> we just have really fun, whimsical storytelling and these great exaggerated characters of Mr. and Mrs. Dursley. And then we meet their little demon child, Dudley. <laughs> <laughs> and he's great because he spends like, I mean, we meet him when he's quite young at this point, but he's still just like pushing things away, being a total brat. And, and they mention later in the chapter that he learned a new word, which is won't. <laughs> which probably follows such things as no and um shove it and <laughs> more so i i think we we get a pretty good idea of who these people are right off the bat like these are the people um I, i'm not sure in great britain what subclass of people these would be considered but but in um <clears throat> america at least these would kind of be like the rednecks i guess even though they're rich i don't know how to describe it like what, no, what do you think I, about the dursleys like what are your impressions of the dursleys i think um the the way they're let's see i think the way that uh his job is described or he's a director of a firm and so he's probably upper middle class that that'd be my guess yeah and i mean when they describe the parents um ooh, this goes into chapter two but Later, later in chapter two, they describe all of the presents that are, they're getting for their child, and they got him, you know, thirty some presents. And of those were like bikes, video cameras, gold watches. So like, it's safe to say that this is a relatively well-off family if they're getting gold watches for their kids. Um, yep. But so much of the chapter is spent just describing um, how angry Mister Dursley seems to be. Um, so we learn that Mr. Dursley works at a drill company where he receives and fulfills and sends back out orders for drills. And when he's at work, not noticing all of these crazy things happening, it says that he yelled at five people that day. And then he yelled a little bit more and he was in a very good mood. Um, which is just such a great idea. It, it puts so many pictures in my head of someone who just loves getting worked up, loves hearing his voice heard loves putting other people in their place you know air quotes mm -hmm. and and loves just um just just throwing a fit and getting his way and you immediately see where dudley got it from and it, just right off the bat i start feeling sorry for mrs dursley except for the fact that she's kind of terrible too um <laughs> mrs dursley hummed mr dursley hummed as he picked out his most boring tie for work and mrs dursley gossiped away happily as she wrestled a screaming dudley into his high chair <laughs> it's like that's the perfect family portrait right there yep <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah you have just horrible people with horrible people and but it's, with, it's like but the language makes it just so whimsical though like the reality of this that he yelled at so many people and he's just plum happy about it like he's right? a terrible person he's but a terrible it, person but there's no like glumness to the writing at all it's it's very spirited and and still it's just it's so whimsical the way that she tells the story and, and that it's it somehow makes it uh enjoyable to read about terrible people and also i think distances me from these terrible people mm -hmm. of like oh they they don't have any control over me they don't have any control over i mean they have control over things clearly but like but like okay. like these these are not plot devices like necessarily like don't don't get too attached to these people i i think what i didn't think of this until right now but i think what jk rowling managed to capture with this is is the equivalent of a happy sounding song with sad lyrics or or even just like strange offbeat lyrics like this is like 
like a third eye blind song where it's like if you just kind of listen and you kind of gloss over it and just kind of read where you're like da 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 you're like oh man this is like good stuff here happy stuff but then you kind of like look a little bit closer and you're like wait a second like this is not necessarily a good thing or good people or a good time in that artist's life um it's like they're actually conveying something sad but they're doing it in such a poppy way um which is fun. I don't think I've quite experienced uh, something that does that effectively in writing. And, and admittedly, I'm not as well read as you are, but I just love, like you said, there's that um, little bit of dissonance between how it's written and what's being written in terms of happiness, sadness, whatever you want to call it. Um, however, she does bring in a little bit of dourness or not, hmm, not dourness, but, but the mood is kind of taken down a notch when we start to meet um, the cat outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um which is i'm gonna have you kind of introduce us to what's happening there um quickly the because i can't say the name mcgonagall mcgonagall <clears throat> mcgonagall 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 dumbledore anyway so tell us a little bit about um in, in the Dumbledore. evening or before when she's still a cat oh boy tell us tell us about this little cat and why does she care about this little cat yeah so so mr dursley sees this cat who's reading a map and he sees the cat reading the map and then he's like wait no no what what, what am i saying you... <laughs> he's like hold up it's a cat it's it doesn't have a map it's it it what mm-hmm. it's reading a sign it's not no it's looking at a sign why yeah. and so it, it's it's very interesting uh internal battle that he has where he like believes it instantly and then he has mm-hmm. to like be like whoa, whoa 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 hold up that doesn't no that does i don't i don't like that i don't like that idea um or i don't believe that clearly that's ludicrous um yeah yeah but he believed it enough to double take. Yeah. Which, you know, and, and then says something. The cat's still there when he comes home, which is just very puzzling to him. <laughs> and and this cat just doesn't seem to have moved at all. It's been there the whole time. And it's, I'm, I'm, he's, I'm, I'm sure Mr. Dursley is someone who knows where every single thing in his world is. And for this cat mm-hmm. to be there, I'm sure, is like, you don't belong here. This is... You don't fit. I don't know why you're not just a cat. Or if you're, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you're just a cat, but you don't belong in my perfect little world. You're probably dug a hole and went to the bathroom in it in my perfect little <laughs> petunia bush. Sandbox and... of a life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I think the cat managed to defy him more than his son. Wait, no, no, no. I Yeah. It's, it's weird because, like, he has his son doing all these crazy, weird things, and then it's, like, this cat that threw him off. Um, so, that's the little cat, and then nighttime falls, and the cat's still there. So, here we meet Dumbledore, who um, is described as having just, like, bright eyes with all this character to it. He seems just like a happy, very wise man who always knows something. Like, like he's not really telling you everything. Um... So he he recognizes the cat. He kind of chuckles to himself, sits down by the cat, and it turns out that the cat is Professor McGonagall. And uh, then they talk about what's happening that night. So, um, sorry, I was I was hanging out back by the <laughs> by the aggressive uh, Mr. Oh, Dursley aggressive. Hugger. Um, Ooh, let's give him a name. 
<laughs> August, the aggressive Dursley hugger. August, August the aggressive <laughs> hugger of Dursleys. <laughs> Proclaimer of muggle. His, his uh, family crest is just the tiny person hugging a very fat man (laughs) (laughs) on a field of white (laughs) on a field of white Um, they're not a threatening tribe (laughs) (laughs) they're just lovers Um, they're just lovers (laughs) no yeah so i i I just yeah we, we we got to that point and i remember you you didn't you say that that was sort of an off-putting part for you when you got oh to i it? hate august august is terrible <laughs> why, august. why do you hate august the... <laughs> well I, I hate august because he, he um i feel like when we first meet august i guess he's just so happy-go-lucky slapstick that it almost makes it, it almost turns like the merry tone of the book into like almost a parody of itself where in my mind like august is very very close to jumping the shark where it almost pulled me out of it where the narrator's voice was lost and instead it was replaced by this like hugging thing and i i guess august <laughs> just kind of distracted me yeah well i I'd, I'd say this he's he serves a very important purpose in the like dursley day actually because mr dursley is at some points um just completely missing these things at another and in other points he's like explaining everything away and there's mm. this mm-hmm. this character is so aggressive in throwing the strangeness in his face that it's it's to the point that that mr dursley can't ignore it anymore and i mm. i think that that's a really important moment for him because then like he he has it in his mind. I mean, he goes through a whole debate of, you know, should I tell my wife about this? Like, this yeah, day has yeah. been weird. My wife has has a sister, and her sister is a part of a weird group of people, and I'm worried that it has something to do with them, and I don't know. And, and Yeah, and he even brings it up, like, kind of on the slide, because he heard the word Harry. He mm-hmm. heard people talk about Harry Potter. So he, like, brings it up, and he's like, hey, what's the word on that? howard kid and his that, wife's like oh don't you mean harry nephew of ours who i nephew don't remember the name of ah, what's his name yeah and he's like something howard and she's like harry and he's like oh no so kind of i guess i guess you're right if august hadn't come and ruined everything then i guess everything wouldn't have been ruined and he wouldn't have said anything yeah i, so. I think he just would have uh i mean it would have shown the the, the stubborn disregard for all things strange of the dursleys but i think i think it, it's even more powerful when then as he's going to sleep he explains it away again like they didn't say another mm-hmm. word on the subject they went up to bed uh, mr dursley uh looked at the cat and was like the cat's still there that's weird and then he's yeah. like am i imagining things i blah, i don't know and and you know no 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 it's fine it's not it's it's not that yeah. it's fine and so that that's a really powerful denial i think to go yeah, from someone strong. throwing it in his face hugging him invading his space being really joyful at him about things that he doesn't understand and to be able to come away from it and say nope my world is exactly as I want it to be, and there is nothing nothing else c- gets in here. Nope. So I I think it it illustrates his 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 will, his power yeah. uh, of of will there. 
That makes sense. It, it cements the character. That mm -hmm. makes sense. So let's get through this chapter because we yeah. still have another chapter to go. Right, right. Um, so, so McGonagall and Dumbledore, go for it. Yeah, so McGonagall and Dumbledore have have a nice little chat over, you know, gosh, our, everyone's celebrating a little bit too raucously this this death of you-know-who. And, and Yeah, they see meteors and they're like, oh, I bet I know who did that. And then yeah. they see, like, sort of words of people getting smothered and they're like, oh, that, that was August. That was they're August. like, all these owls everywhere. And, like, gosh, mm. like, everyone's, like losing their minds over over this thing that happened and then we learn that like McGonagall didn't even know if it was true this world was celebrating and people weren't even really know and they didn't even really know if it was true because the first thing she does is she looks at Dumbledore and says did it really happen is he really dead and yeah and like did you is you know who dead and yeah. like and and yeah Dumbledore's like yeah yeah he's 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 dead and and he chastises her for um, for saying you know who. It's like he's he's dead. It's like his his name has no power, and he has more oh. power. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think Dumbledore. First of all, I, I noticed this. Um, I just reread the first couple chapters before mm -hmm. we talked. Dumbledore initially didn't even say anything. He just kind of like nodded, and that was acknowledgement enough for McGonagall to be like, oh, oh, he's gone. And then Dumbledore kind of was vague about it because he's one of those tricky types. And he's like, well, it looks like he's gone is kind of the phrasing that he used where it's like, well, it looks like he's gone. He never said like, oh, yeah, dead as a doornail, man. He is poof, done. Like he's like, well, it looks like he's gone. And it looks like what stopped him is this little bundle of joy that's about to fly in via Hagrid. Yeah, what is, I'm trying to find the line. Is it the, we can only guess? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. was it before that? Flipping, flipping, flipping. <clears throat> this makes for the best radio. Yeah, it's candy. I know, it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> so, Everyone's celebrating. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, let's see. So... <clears throat> certainly seems so that's it certainly seems so there we go yeah and um we're, we're led to believe that it this is because of harry potter and this is like such a big deal that mcgonagall said like if this is true like if this is true and you know who or voldemort was stopped by harry potter then today might even be known as harry potter day in the future so it's like this sets up the scale like where it's like everybody knows about this and if it's true the whole day could be named after this baby that's flying in on a motorcycle um so then we meet hagrid like kind of those two are talking and as soon as it you know they they assume like oh it's true it's definitely true this voldemort guy who we can use his name now because he's gone right so it's like this voldemort guy is gone and then like in flies hagrid this big giant guy it says he's like five people wide three people tall like matted hair everywhere um hands the size of trash can lids was that hands it? the size of trash cans and feet the size of baby dolphins in leather <laughs> in leather boots which is my favorite my favorite <laughs> I, his feet are like baby dolphins in leather boots and i'm just like what like i just picture just these like squeaky dolphins and he's just walking on them and every time they're like rah, 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 and it's yeah. It, it, it paints an adorable picture of feet, which I think is a hard thing to do. That's a really hard thing to do. I mean, like, I, I feel like they really tried to do it with Lord of the Rings and the Hobbits, and it just, nope. 
<laughs> There's nothing endearing about hairy giant feet. Um, baby dolphins, though, like yeah, I'm down with that. Like that's great. Um, and it, it Hagrid, of course, gives a playfulness and a, a meekness to this character who is huge. Like and coming in yeah. on this motorcycle, like I think you you could instantly you could describe Hagrid and you could like fear him and you could really not oh, be yeah. sure how to deal with this big person and instead he's the the baby dolphin thing like makes him kinder yeah. somehow they could have said like feet like trebuchets rolling across the land yeah. launching fear into the hearts of people and it's like no no baby dolphins this guy's a soft side and and we see that pretty quick too because he kind of like so so Hagrid shows up with the baby and I'm sure McGonagall was like, oh, thank goodness, because this guy apparently isn't super trustworthy. So he shows up, he has the baby, he hands it over, and it has the scar. And and it has a scar, the shape of a lightning bolt. And I love this, too, because McGonagall is like, oh, should we get rid of that scar? And Dumbledore's like, no, scars are great. I have a scar the exact shape of the London underground. And I'm just like, what? Like, that's so funny. <laughs> So I'm currently living in Brooklyn, so I'm on the subway line every day, and and just the idea of having just like a subway map on my na- map on my knee, like a part of me was like, you know what, like that actually could be handy. <laughs> it would have to have like you know the the name of the lines and stuff like that and the specific stops, but like I could see that being get a tattoo, helpful. man. Like <laughs> get a tattoo. yeah, but it it was super. Um, it's kind of an interesting way to approach his scar where Dumbledore's like, yeah, we could get rid of it, but like, let's, let's not, let's see what happens. Um, but they go and they, you find out that they have to like put this baby, they're leaving it with the Dursleys and McGonagall like freaks out because like she's been sitting there all day and she's been witnessing these just like terrible people be terrible. Like you said, like you see a day in the pedestrian life. She saw a day in their pedestrian life and she knows that these people are just so bad and so she's like, oh, can we please not leave the baby with these people? And then Hagrid starts crying like a, so loudly that they have to be like, hush, 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 hush. And they end up leaving the baby with a note, essentially, that's supposed to explain to the Dursleys that this is now their baby. And that's essentially where the chapter ends. Yeah, baby, um, baby on a doorstep, which, you know, is how a lot of uh, telenovelas end chapters. So it's a good place to yeah. end. It's a nice... It nice is, image is. baby on the doorstep it also sounds like a like a fallout boy album or something yeah um so on to i guess we'll go through chapter two probably a little bit quicker we we yeah. met Chap- a lot of interesting people in in chapter one so and chapter two is is nice and short it feels it, it feels really short by comparison when you read it i think yeah and it helps that we already kind of understand these people so now we're just building upon so it's like, okay, we've established who these people are, so now you just get to see them play out their roles. Um, with the exception of we get to meet Harry Potter grown up. Yeah. Um, 11 years old. Yeah, so so in chapter two, which is called The Vanishing Glass, um, which has this wonderful uh, art. I love the chapter art in these books. So, mm-hmm. like, the brand new chapter of, of this picture of Dudley with this oh, horrendous yeah. haircut and all these presents. Oh, and, that's terrible. Oh, and he's just got this great, supercilious look on his face for a 10-year-old. But anyway, um, so... His hair is parted. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's awful. It's such an <laughs> awful haircut. Anyway. He's so... <laughs> um, it's like a hamster. Uh-huh. 
So the the story op- the the chapter opens and it's ten years later. Harry's living with his aunt and uncle and cousin, and we see again Petunia and Vernon, who we learn their names. I think halfway through the first chapter, but they they spoiled their son just horrendously, and they they really just seem to punish Harry for even existing. Like like he doesn't do a whole lot from what we can see that warrants his treatment, and it's a drastic difference from how Dudley is treated. But um, we we sort of set that scene of what that looks like for him to be living with them, and then. We learn that it's Dudley's birthday and that mm-hmm. Harry's supposed to go with, I think, Mrs. Fig and and she's going to babysit him and give him yeah, yeah. awful Crazy cat treats lady. and show him pictures of all of her dead cats and it's just going to be awful like it always is. But they, the, the Dursleys prefer it if he doesn't have much fun when he's being watched by someone else. But she's busy and no one else can watch him. And what are they going to do? We can't leave him here. He's going to blow up the house. We can't leave him in the car. He'll blow up the car. What are, we can't mm-hmm. do all these things. So in a surprising turn of events, he gets to go to the zoo with the Dursleys. And yeah, which is like not what they planned at all. And like they go through a list of people and they're like, oh, could we have him with this person? And they're like, oh, no, they hate Harry Potter. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just like all this stuff where they're like, oh, we could do this. And then like they're like, oh, no, we have to deal with this kid. And this is the same kid that just, like, cooked them breakfast. Like, he just, like, made them breakfast, cleared the table, did all that stuff. And he did it after putting his socks on in his closet, which is, like, or his room, which is a... What's the phrase? Cupboard. Cupboard under the stairs. (laughs) Cupboard. uh, In a cupboard under the stairs. So it's, like, we see, like, Harry Potter's doing all this stuff, putting up with all this stuff. He seems like a good kid and a helpful kid, especially compared to Dudley. And yet they just, like, give him the worst treatment. And, and just, like, the last thing they want is for him to go to the zoo with them. Um, but they, they and, back themselves into a corner, and they end up taking mm-hmm. him to the zoo. And mm-hmm. and um, there, Harry is, like, having the time of his life. He gets, like, a little lemon popsicle thing that was the cheapest treat. But it was he's like, it's a treat. Oh, it's, it's great. And, like, everyone else gets, like, big ice cream crazy chocolatey things and he's like i don't care i get the lemon ice thing that was so prediction right off the bat all right prediction okay dumbledore really likes those lemon drops right he's like having a super important conversation about like this giant wizard dying and he's being like all coy the whole time picking apart lemon drops um because he just loves it harry potter loves the lemon ice cream you see uh uh-huh uh-huh dumbledore says a recurring theme of lemons (laughs) that's that's your prediction (laughs) I, no, I think uh, Dumbledore's Dumbledore's son, estranged, um, not not son, but like. Okay, no. Sorry. Are, are taste I, buds hereditary? Um, <laughs> this isn't an informed <laughs> guess. <laughs> this this isn't actually based on any kind of evidence. I'm, I'm just gonna throw it out there. That right. Somewhere down the line, we we discover that he is it, at least uncle. I will go like the furthest like they're related maybe he's a great uncle or a grandfather but they both love them some lemon so <laughs> interesting anyway. theory i like it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the visit to the zoo was part of um going to the zoo was one of dudley's like things piled on top of his 30 some gifts 
got no he ended up with 30 after only receiving 28 or something like that and they decided to give him two more which 30, is just ridiculous 36 two less 36. than last year uh, terrible kid terrible kid <laughs> so they get him two more gifts they take him to the zoo and when he's at the zoo like I, f- I feel like harry potter's having more fun than all of them and he has like a way more like simple experience like he doesn't have the fancy stuff he's trailing behind them so he's like barely even with his family and yet he's like noticing stuff and stuff like that and and dudley so they reach the point where they get to the reptile exhibit and dudley's like looking at the glass at a snake and have you ever seen like a big snake in a pet store Alyssa? yeah oh my gosh they're they're te- we, have, we have one at the zoo here in billings huge snake it's creepy man (laughs) what is it like a constrictor or and what is it i think uh i don't think it's a constrictor i don't know what kind though i'll have to look it up Hmm. Hmm. anyway they're huge though it's oof it's creepy they're huge but they don't do much yeah that's true they really don't like for the most part snakes like they're cold-blooded they move to eat but then like if it's if if they don't need to move, then they just don't. They'll just kind of chill for hours and hours and hours. And this is what the giant snake was doing at the zoo, too. And Dudley was, like, tapping on the glass, trying to get its attention. Um, and he was up, like, leaning against the glass, kind of putting his hands on it, because he's terrible. And he's and tapping on it. They're tapping on it, aren't they? He's yeah. tapping on it. And, man, like, as someone, like, I've worked in a lot of coffee shops in my life, and... I've worked in, even now, I, I'm working at a restaurant, and we have a pastry case, and it's glass. And when I see kids tapping and putting their hands on the glass, I try really hard not to, like, judge them or judge the parents. But I'm like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Like, stop. Like, the glass is there to keep you and that thing apart from each other. Why are you, like, do you really need to be on the glass, leaving your marks and stuff like that? So I, I have personal biases against this kid. And the snake apparently is kind of fed up with it, too, because the snake kind of, like, rolls his eyes at Harry and gives us this look of, like, ugh, this kid, right? And and this is where, again, you start to see kind of, like, the putter-outer or the weird August-hugging Mr. Dursley is, uh, it's like, oh, this snake seems to be very aware of its situation. Um, yeah, the it... snake, Yeah. It gave Harry a look that said quite plainly, I get that all the time. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of made a sense of like, ah, uh, yep, every day. Um, but then the snake kind of, what, what does it do next? I don't have, I don't have the exact chapter well, open. But well, it, first, it like winks at him. First it winks at him. And then, and, mm-hmm. and Harry's like, oh, hold okay. up, what? And then, and then the snake does a little like gesture to like, uncle vernon and dudley and it's like those those guys i get it all the time Mm -hmm. and and harry starts talking to him he's like yeah and i know i i i I feel you because i i hang out with them all the time too and it's awful and he starts talking to the snake and he asks it you know how 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 is brazil you're from brazil right and the the snakes Mm -hmm. like gesturing at the sign and going like read the sign I've never, I've never been there. All it sad. stinks. Yeah. And and like as he's talking to him, like it, Dudley kind of catches on and he's like, "Oh, the snake's doing something over here." And then he shouts, he's like, "Oh, look, look what the snake's doing!" It's uh, and he and he like makes a big fuss out of it, and um, pretty much the the so for some reason I don't know if it's the snake, I don't know if it's 
um, Harry, I don't know what it is, but the glass between Dudley and the snake just disappears. Like, all the smudges and stuff, like, no one has to clean it because the glass is now gone. And, like, Dudley's on the ground, and, and the snake slithers away, and everybody's like, holy crap, there's this giant snake. Like, I, I think the cleanliness of the vanished glass is the least of their problem. Oh, let's say this is important. You, somebody just saved several minutes with, like, a, a, an old newspaper or, like, a paper towel. Like, someone Some saved significant time. They saved a quarter cup of vinegar. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they were eating ice cream. Like, they were serving ice cream at the zoo. Like, we were talking dairy here. We were talking grease, probably for pretzels. Like, you, you have to use multiple types of cleaners because multiple types of stains like you can't just use a degreaser because that doesn't mean the dairy so never mind the boa constrictor on the loose well <laughs> the glass I'm sure that's doesn't need cleaning like, in my mind as a zookeeper i'd be like thank goodness i'm so sick of cleaning that glass <laughs> but, but but there is a boa constrictor on the loose so there's that to deal with and and dudley because he's a little snitch right he goes and he tells his parents like oh man harry potter was he, he was talking to the snake weren't you i saw you were talking to him and the parents because the parents are so racist what's what's the phrase are the, are the dursleys racist is this a topic oh uh, they're they're probably racist i would not be surprised <laughs> but yeah, but you're what the, the, they're they're so um prejudiced against harry there or yep yeah. Against anything out of the ordinary, anything strange. That mm-hmm. the, the the idea that Harry is talking to the snake, that sets off their triggers. And pretty much it ruins the whole day. Harry Potter gets, you know, they drive him home furiously. They lock him in the closet. And he's just, like, stuck there in the closet, wishing that he had a watch. Which For, that what, line, a week, I think? Is that... Like, a week. Oh, it's bad. It's, it's bad. I was reading this. It's horrendous. It's, like... It's, reading through it and it's like it's oh man i just i can't believe how well it's written because when i was reading this as a kid never once did i think like harry potter is like legitimately abused like it it's it's framed and told in such a way that there's like it's it's still playful even though his actual situation is terrible and social services should have been called like from the instant that they left him on the doorstep because it's awful. Yeah. But like JK Rowling is so good at that where it's like da 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 Harry lives in a closet. Yeah. And it's just like, wait a second. okay, that's like a catchy little ditty, but like, wait a second. Did you just say that Harry lives in a closet? Like, wait a second. Like da 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 he just ticked off his uncle and spiders. Not gonna eat for a week. What? Yeah, it's just exactly. So <laughs> terrible, and and I mean it's and it, it's, to be fair, it doesn't like frame it as a like everything's fine. But there's just there's a way that she writes it that's it's so smart and it's so elegant to to show this terrible situation, but to not like make me hopeless as the reader. Yeah, and she does a good job of using contrast here too. And I, I underline this too, because it was just kind of a clever little thing that she slipped in there, but it says Harry lay in his dark cupboard much later wishing he had a watch. And, and like, that's kind of sad because it's like, he doesn't even have a watch to walk, like a watch to watch to see how long it's taking. But also if you remember earlier, Dudley just got a gold watch, like a gold watch. And Harry Potter doesn't even have like, at anything not even like a little like seiko timepiece it's like at the dollar store like a nothing little five pound thing or something i mean it, it could be so cheap you can get a dollar yeah. watch and 
And just in my head for this whole week, Dudley had just been given his 30-some gifts, and you can hear Dudley biking around, you can hear the remote control cars, you can hear the computers and the video games and stuff like that, and he's just sitting in a dark closet by himself with not, not even a watch while Dudley is playing with all of his toys all around him for a full week, probably pounding on the door, trying to wake him up the whole time. And it's just like left on kind of a dark note, and you start to just get this idea of like, he needs to get out of there. Like, he really needs to get out of there because this is not sustainable. This is not, like, this cannot have been what they had in mind when they left him on the doorstep. It's like, yeah, they said they wanted him to be humble because they're like, oh, man, all that having a day named after your stuff, that would really get to your head. You know, it'd be nice if he was humbled. But, like, this isn't it. This it's, isn't what they're going for. Yeah, it's it's a, a, a drastic... Uh drastically on the other end of the spectrum of celebrated it's it's celebrate yeah unfortunately it seems his options were celebrated or abused and he ended up in the abused category (laughs) yeah yeah and i'm sure they hoped for you know boring but not necessarily abused or or you know that that maybe they would choose to love him i mean i i could see dumbledore yeah sort of uh thinking you know these these people they they could they could grow to love this kid they could they could at least treat him well with you know they don't or or you know at least treat him equally but man i just i can't i can't believe i can't believe i can't uh fathom going from having one child to having two children overnight and then choosing instead instead of sort of equalizing things between the two mm-hmm. choosing instead to drastically treat them differently like it's it's just it's such a yeah man especially it's, because it's the classic orphan tale i mean it's yeah. it's not it's not the first time it's been done and it's and i think that's part of why it's uh, a compelling story is i mean we love reading about orphans i don't know why we do but that's something about it that but there's i mean it's like the heart of Dickens right there is orphans and, and mm. so much of um, like Les Miserables is orphans. And there's so many of these really lofty stories that are orphans. The little princess, that's an orphan story. That's all <laughs> European books you're saying here. I'm trying to think of American orphans. Um, mm. American is, orphans. Is that's Huck, also is, a Fall Out Boy album. Is, huh? is Huck Finn an orphan? I think he might be an orphan. Ooh, yeah. It might be. Well, yeah, He's, there we go. He, Huck Finn. He lives with Tom Sawyer's family. Um, Huck Finn, American. Orphan. So yeah, we we just really love reading about like abandoned children. I don't. I, maybe to see their 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 journey of hope as they become more mm-hmm. capable, and then also casting it as a you know we need to take care of our children because look at this cautionary tale. But but there's there's something about this story that that shows it differently and it's that that added whimsy that 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 get that gives me a lot of hope for where he's gonna go yeah and i think the the narrator does a good job of of kind of um leaving on a sad note but at the same time um making me think like yes this this has got to end but not this has got to end because he will die but like this has got to end because there are better things coming so like those things will happen this just has to this this chapter just needs to end no pun intended um so that's chapter two of 
Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Sorcerer's Stone. Um, before we wrap up the episode, um, I guess what were some of your favorite quotes mm. from these two episodes? Like, what lines stood out that you underlined, put a star by, that just, like, really, really, like, caught your fancy? I... That you, it's, that is such a hard task because she is such a tight writer, but I, I have one for, from each chapter. So one, okay. my, my favorite one in the first chapter is, is talking about Mr. Dursley and he's, mm-hmm. um, it's right after he's hugged by the stranger, uh, and, and, um, on his drive home, we have, he hurried to his car and set off for home, hoping he was imagining things which he had never hoped before because he didn't approve of imagination. Oh, what a good line. What like, a good line. Like, I'm, I'm not, like, that is how upset he is, that this thing that he's so uncomfortable with, like, he, he, he will bear that be, because the alternative is so horrifying to him. And, yeah, and, because and it, he... Oh, it just shows his character so well, and I love it. It's such a, such a sharp line. That is a great line because he didn't approve of imagination. <laughs> That's great. Mine um, from chapter one. I mean, there's uh, the baby dolphins though. I I love the baby dolphins so much. I think I just like underlined, underlined. I was worried I was gonna like cut through my page with my pencil too. <laughs> I'm just like baby dolphins. Um, so what what is that line? Do you do you have it or or do you have another one? Did yeah, you it's pick- it's pretty much the full description. Uh, that uh, I guess that. I guess that's my favorite, just because it's the only one that made me, like, put down my book. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so, here we go. Talking about Hagrid, he looked simply too big to be allowed, which, in and of itself, too big to be allowed. Like, allowed where? Allowed what? Allowed why? Like, I love it. He looked simply too big to be allowed, and so wild. Long tails of bushy black hair and beard hid most of his face. He had hands the size of trash can lids, and his feet in their leather boots were like baby dolphins in his vast muscular arms he was holding a bundle of blankets but yeah his his feet in his boots leather baby dolphins all right chapter two yeah my my favorite line in chapter two um is let's see um oh maybe i don't have one for chapter two yeah, I'm kind of flipping through looking for one yeah, too. I, think... I have stuff underlined, but it's mostly for talking points. So, so I guess I only marked one for chapter one. Yeah, chapter two was. I, I think I was just so. Um, I, I spent so much of the chapter being horrified. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I have favorite moments. Like I love Harry with the with the lemon popsicle and him just like, uh, um, just enjoying his day so much and and i and i really uh i love the moment where he he tells about um they're in the car on the way to the zoo and he tells them mm-hmm. about his dream of a flying motorcycle and like he's just he's just t- dreams are ridiculous he's and the dursleys have to dream. know this and in, uh. instead their instant reaction is is motorcycles don't fly <laughs> motorcycles don't fly. <laughs> and it's like Whoa! I was dream. Oh my! Like if, if that's like, not duh, even the most that's ridiculous thing that you. I've dreamt, and I don't have this other magical capacity. Like, 
normal. Yeah, and it's like the whole point of the story, the whole reason why he's telling the story is because isn't it weird that I had a dream that motorcycles fly? Because motorcycles definitely don't fly, like, right? So isn't that weird? weird? huh? And, and it's, it's just such an extreme reaction that, um, and, and like in all caps. I love that, like, mm-hmm, I'm not a big mm-hmm. fan of like the all caps or italics to, to uh, express stress in in text Mm -hmm. um i'm a journalist and so i just kind of like really clean (laughs) simple writing yeah Yeah. but but i just i think she uses it so well here the like all caps yelling and the occasional italics to just be like add add a little extra tilt to some of her sentences that that's yeah it just works really well it doesn't overuse it but yeah, and I think because she uses it sparingly, it's mm-hmm. much more effective. Oh, I, I found my favorite line. I found my favorite line. Ooh, okay. what is it? <clears throat> because, again, it's kind of like a kid thing, and and I think this just treats to kind of my thought process, too. But it's, So it's uh, Harry, who could see a huge Dudley tantrum coming on, began wolfing down his bacon as fast as possible in case Dudley turned the table over. I love the visual of that, because, like, in my head, like, Harry Potter sitting meekly, right? Like, I'm Harry Potter. I'm sitting at the kitchen table trying to, like, be out of view, right? And then, like, the situation is escalating beside him. There's all these presents in Dudley. And he just starts, like, going. He's just like, oh, no. And he just starts eating his bacon, like, as fast as he can. I just love the visual of that. Like, it's it's not, you know, the most beautiful or funny sentence. It's just, like, it's such a funny visual of, like, Dudley's freaking out. And meanwhile, Harry Potter's just, like, trying to just, like, get bacon in his mouth right now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really good line. That's really good. Um, I do like the watch line, too. That's a good one. Yeah, it's sad, but I I, I apparently like the melancholy lines. But... Yeah, yeah, but it's a, it's an English book, you know. So, um, those are the two chapters and our favorite quotes. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Mm-hmm. There's there's a little little bit of uh, foreshadowing happening here. Um, Ooh, and... should I know about this, or is this a is this a spoiler? Well, I mean, we've we've got in his in his on page twenty nine. He's he's laying in the cupboard and he's thinking about his dream that he got chastised for, and, you know, oh, and he's yeah. talking about like I I couldn't remember being in the car with my parents because I was only, you know, I was only a year old, and he's he's been told his whole life that his parents died in a car crash, and he doesn't remember yeah. it, but but he remembers. Uh, a blinding flash of green light and a per- burning pain on his forehead. Mm-hmm. He couldn't imagine where all the green light came from in a car crash, and 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 the um, and it's just I I I just think it's 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 so sad because I I think it's in this chapter that we learn uh, that their rule is don't ask questions, and yet he has mm-hmm. so many questions, and there are so many uh, I defining questions of you know what happened to my parents, how did I end up here what are these things that I remember from my young, young life? And I'm not allowed to ask the questions to find out. And so it's, it's very, very bleak, but um, those are uh, just some, some interesting ways to leave us after, um, after he's had this day full of all these strange things and he, and he is forbidden to pursue any answers. Yeah. And even it talks a little bit, too, about how, like, people have walked up to him on the streets and recognized him and stuff like that. But he, like, before he can even talk to them, they're, they're scared away by the the Dud- or the Dursleys. 
Sorry, my cat's meowing at me. Uh, she, want, she wants to play. <laughs> uh, but, like, strangers have approached Harry Potter and, like, all this stuff. So, yeah, like you said, like, we end this chapter just with so many questions of, like, what what happened? And what's going to happen? Like, it just sets up. It does a great job. And I think that's why we decided to stop the chapter two. Or why, I mean, you advised stopping the chapter two. And it, it, so far, it seems like a great decision because it just sets up the universe that we're in, the types of characters that we're dealing with, and then it leaves us with the big fat mystery of what happens next. Yeah, um, it's a nice establishing shot of, of yeah. this is the life that Harry has always known. And, and you just know things are going to change, but you have no idea how. It just, it doesn't, there aren't really any tricks. Like there aren't really any hints that, that you can pick up on of like, what's going to change. Yeah. I don't know. It's. Yeah. And I mean, like if it hadn't been so imbued in pop culture where it's like, I know in my head, like, yeah, he's going to go to Hogwarts. He's going to become a wizard. He's mm-hmm. probably going to, I don't think Voldemort's dead. Like I know all of this stuff, but like just in the actual book itself, the source material, it does such a good job of just like setting stuff up, but not spoiling it. But like, you know, you know, some stuff's coming mm-hmm. and it does a great job of it. So, um, so you you know that we're getting to Hogwarts, obviously. So, oh, yeah. how how long do you think it'll be until he gets there? Because we haven't even seen the word wizard on the page. <sighs> we haven't seen the word wizard on the page. Uh, I mean, how old is he? Is it eleven? You said he's eleven. Um, I mean, I think honestly, I think we're only a couple chapters away. I don't think. Oh, the cat just knocked something over. I'll have to figure that out. Um. <laughs> That was loud. Um, I'd say we're probably three or four chapters away. It's going to take a lot, and it's going to take something drastic to pretty much have the Dursleys say, like, it is no longer safe for you to be with us, or we are so embarrassed by your existence that we are going to send you off to the school, get you out of our lives, or just, like, I don't know. It's going to have to be something dangerous or something embarrassing or something that just inconveniences them to the point where they're like, okay, we need you out of the house right now. Even though this Hogwarts thing is clearly the work of the enemy and Satan, we're going to send you there. So I think, my guess, three or four chapters. All right. So probably not next episode, but very likely the one after that. I don't know. We'll see. All right. So uh, this has been episode one of Overdue. Uh I've been Clark. And, and I still am Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shoot. I guess I'm Clark, too. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode. All right. Goodbye. Bye.